Chant it out. Chant it out. Welcome to episode 9 of Shoulder to Shoulder LAFC Podcast. This is your host, Chris, with my co-host, Christian. And we also have our new host, Jonathan Reimer, in the the studios with us. And today, for this episode, we are going to be interviewing Lenny Lonzi, who is one of the first, if not the very first, purchase at the LAFC headquarters. So welcome into studios, Lenny. It's great to be here. Thank you very much. Let's talk about the game, though, real fast. Yesterday, we had an amazing 2-1 victory over RSL, we had a revenge game of sorts, and of course, it wouldn't be an LAFC game at the bank if it wasn't for a last-minute goal and stoppage time. Yeah, hashtag avenge the bank, right? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the 5-1 that Blessing wanted to, to have, but... Or what I predicted either. Right, well, we said 4-1 on the podcast last week. I think that everyone was almost expecting RSL to be a little bit easier to score on just because of the call-ups and the injuries and the red cards. But, you know, we were talking about it before the game. They had a lot of defensemen at at several points throughout the game. And when they got the red card, which, again, this is our third home game with a third red card on the visiting team, they went from, at one point, having almost six defenders. You know, and it still took a wonder goal to put us ahead. Uh, I mean, I've rewatched that shot go in. 15 times and it still amazes me how he was able to get that swerve on it I still can't see if it took that deflection or not but you really have to tip your cap to them from a defensive standpoint how they were able to shut us down and you know their center backs put in a heck of an effort to stop a lot of really good chances I mean Vela was on point we saw some absolute beautiful work from Vela Um, you, you know I mean blessing uh, I, I think may not have been as guilty as he looked on giving up that penalty, but I mean his effort throughout the entire game from the first minute to the last minute was amazing, um, and they were still able to to hold us back for a lot of that. So you got to tip your cap, but you know end of the day we yeah. prevailed. No, I agree with you that Blessing's a workhorse, and I think his eagerness and energy almost caused that penalty just because he was trying to be there defensively to help his back line, right? So it was unfortunate. I don't fault him for it because he made so many great plays throughout the match, and he made up for it. Uh, he is our Swiss Army knife or our utility man, like we mentioned last podcast, where he can almost play anywhere, and he can create chances. He freed up so many of our wingers in, in, in spaces to create some of the crosses, but I agree with you that RSL was able to, you know, hunker down and bunker down and, and kind of absorb a lot of pressure and, you know, create maybe a few chances, which one was a penalty, and take advantage of that. And it seems like that's been the approach of a lot of teams against us. Yeah, I mean, maybe Krylock kind of put his uh, heel towards the groin area of Latif right before Latif stumbles out of the way into the penalty. So No, no, that was a penalty on Sa- uh, Saucedo, right? He was the one who had the penalty, the Latif was the penalty against Saucedo and, and Krylock was the one who, who took it. Excuse me, yeah, yeah, correct. Krylock scored the goal, right. right, yeah, but... Uh, but yeah, it was dirty nonetheless, regardless yeah. of who it was. Right. A couple things that I wanted to talk about. Andre Horta making his uh, 2019 debut. I feel like I have high expectations for him. I want to see him do well. Outside of the fact that he's a DP, he's a young player with right. a lot of... With a, with a very big future and I really hope that he does perform well. But I'm reading... I spent some time reading 
some Reddit comments and things like that. And there were a lot of people that were unhappy with his performance last night. And I think that that's unwarranted because of the role that he was playing. He wasn't looking to be an instrumental person that was an attacking position. He was a facilitator, a mover of the ball. And I feel like he did well yesterday. He controlled the midfield. He did a good job. Yeah, especially with Lee Wynn being out. That's I feel right. like he, he was able to facilitate the role that Lee Wynn was normally doing over the last three matches. You know, I mean, I think we're not taking into account that he's coming back from injury. So right. it's not like it's he's been game. able... Yeah, he hasn't been able to train and get out there on the pitch with these guys as much. You know, my observation both at the game and in rewatching it is there were a number of times you could see him putting his arms up and asking the people around him, where am I supposed to be positioned? So he's obviously still kind of getting a feel for his place within our machine. Um, he had a lot of heavy touches. I mean, a lot of passes that were skipping up off the turf and coming in hot on people. And again, that's just about space. You know, he's predicting people are going longer when they're coming shorter. And his talent and ability is there. We've seen it. Yeah. He just needs to get the reps. And, and because of injury, he hasn't got it. But, you know, it's a make or break season for him for sure. He's not there yet because he's not in the starting 11 regularly, right? And I think, in a way, I disagree with some of the comments, but I also agree because the expectations are high and you're paying him so much. And mm-hmm. he's been here for a full year, so you would think uh, that he would have at least absorbed a lot of the tactical uh, nuances of the system. But the heavy touches and things like that, that, that's from repetitions or him being injured. I get that. only thing I want from him a little bit more that I've seen in some of the highlights when he plays in Portugal is him being more aggressive. Like, when he takes the ball, he has the ability to take the long shot or, you know, get that through pass. The through pass maybe is not there because of the lack of chemistry, but his long shots, that ended up being the game winner. Yeah. You know, a 25-yard shot. We needed to take more of those because they were not giving us spaces to get in behind. And let's give some credit to RSL. I mean, they were playing five at the back for a lot of the game, and, you know, putting a through ball through that is a lot more challenging. But, yeah, I mean, he maybe in the minds of many fans is still paying for that one mistake versus Carson, you know? Yeah. It might, and it might be in his own head too. Still, right. so, you, you know, know. But and you want to talk about people that were actually taking the ball and being aggressive. Walker Zimmerman with a couple of his runs up the uh, the right side of the pitch, taking the ball through the midfield and and getting it past some of the defenders. I was yeah. I I don't feel like I've ever I can't recall a time when Zimmerman had done that in the past. A well deserved man of the match from the thirty two fifty two. Absolutely. Going back to what you said, I've watched the the replay of that that final you know shot, and I do think there was a deflection, and I hope there is, and it's like we get a closer view of that uh, clip because to me it would be fitting that we beat them off a shot from Zimmerman and a deflection to beat them in the last second. I mean, it's last last year it was a deflection off of his face that was was unwarranted that we lost the match. Right. Um, in in the playoffs, so you know he deserved it. He was going up there. He was aggressive. He wanted to win. For him, it was redemption because he thought that we deserved to get further into the playoffs. So, you know, the other thing that I want to talk about also is Nick Romando. His last game, you know, over five hundred career matches in the MLS, uh, and that save that he made off of the set piece from Vela in the first half was amazing. Yeah. Wow, amazing. Yeah. I'll give kudos to him too. He played really well. He, there were a lot of shots on goal from our side. And uh, he dispatched many of them. Yeah, no. he's he's he's. I mean, he's a legend, obviously, in RSL, and he's been a stand-up guy for that organization and for MLS. He's been been here almost from the beginning. I think that he is. I think he has the most matches as a goalie in MLS. He holds the record now. 
And it wasn't just Vela in my game notes. I got him robbing a Tuesta and Dio as well, too, on some low shots where he was able to get low. Oh, yeah, um, of course. I mean, he had a th- three fantastic saves, in my opinion, in that game and took our 5-1 away from us right there, you know? Right. You know, and I think, too, that Atuesta is... I'm, I mean, I see him as being a lot more aggressive this season than he was last year, and I think he gets into a lot of people's heads. You know, I mean, I feel like every game so far at the bank, he's gotten into somebody's face about a confrontation with another teammate. It's not even somebody who has an issue with Atuesta. He's coming in and defending somebody else, whether it's Latif or or Wynn or Harvey or whoever it is. I mean, I feel like he is definitely someone who's getting in people's heads, and it's making him one of my favorite players this season. I think I noticed across the squad yesterday, there was a concerted effort to not get fouled around the pitch like we've been seeing. We saw it from the beginning of the game. You know, they start hacking our players and Dio, Atuesta, started getting right up in people's faces about it and saying, we are not going to take this anymore. Mm -hmm. And You know, so many of the fans have been looking for that defensive midfield type player that's going to come in and be the enforcer. And who knew we had it in our striking ranks this whole time? Right. Um, I was really appreciative that they did it without going into the books, um, and I was very proud of them standing up for for the other players. Even Blessing took on a guy that was twice his size and just got right up into his face. Yeah, that was probably my favorite moment of the whole game, outside <laughs> of the goals. I got to be honest. Um, I just, I, I don't know if I just have a soft spot for Latif or if he's really that amazing, but. He's really that amazing. He's exciting to watch. And you know what? We will definitely talk about Latif because our guest, Lenny, has a very interesting relationship with Latif that he's going to talk about at a point later in this interview. But uh, overall, I thought that LFC played great yesterday. I, I feel like this is definitely an improvement from last season in terms of performance, and I hope that there is no slump in any of their performance because it's exciting to watch. Yeah, they're finishing games. Again, the crowd didn't leave at all. 90 minutes plus and it was still packed stadium and everyone was cheering together and we had some new chants in the all the new chants <laughs> oh that was awesome and that was awesome stadium, we know it's simple enough where the whole stadium was doing it it was amazing oh to my me, gosh it sounded great on the uh, I watched I wasn't able to go to the game yesterday but I watched it on the YouTube TV broadcast which by the way I had to send Max Bredos a text uh, pre-game because I was watching the pre-game videos and the audio from the stadium was coming up overlapping on the and I I sent the text to Max and then I hear Max on he goes hey I just got a text somebody's saying that they can hear everything that we're saying over the broadcast he goes and eventually they worked it out and got it to where it was dialed in before the troubleshooting live live in real well I'm I'm listening to it and I'm like man this is terrible I wonder how I can get a hold of him I'm like oh I have his number let me send him a text don't put your sound engineer out of work (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I think the unsung hero in yesterday's game for me and a guy who has not been getting the deserved credit was Segura I mean his ability on the back line has been so calm so simple I think it gets overlooked and to me he has been the biggest addition to this squad as far as what we've been seeing on the pitch and I was absolutely you know flabbergasted again just by by how calm he is about doing the defensive work and I think he's just he's just so laissez-faire about it that people aren't noticing the contribution he's putting in and the partnership across the back line this season has been a thing of beauty that's right between him and uh, Zimmerman absolutely they work really well in tandem together Uh, they're controlling 
that space right in front of the right in front of the. I'm so 18. upset. I'm so upset that he's only a loney right now. I really hope that it develops into something to where he becomes a full fledged member of our squad. I think it, I think it will because I think there's a Colombian model now. This is how we got a Twesta. He was on loan and we signed him. And yeah. you know, there's a, there's a, I think that cultural connection there. I would hope so, but yeah. I'm just saying. I mean, he's. He, I think is he only a six month loan or a year loan right now? I think he's through the later part of the summer. I th- yeah, because I think he is only right now. His loan was only through the summer till the beginning of his season in Colombia. So I really hope that the management realizes how much of a benefit he's been to our backline, and that they find a way to to actually make him a uh, full roster member. Yeah, Thorington, get a hold of Will Farrell, get some of that Ron Burgundy money yeah. in there. Let's make this happen. <laughs> all right. I, I think one of the other uh, things that I noticed, and I may be wrong, but Nico's first game. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, he kind and, of and he, he, he attacked that diagonally into into that. Uh, 18, and he's the one that gave the pass off to Zimmerman. He noticed that he was open. That's right. Um, so I think he came in aggressive, wanting to impact the game. I think there's competition on both the left and right back positions now with some of the signings, which is good because it's going to push everyone to you know try to perform better and when they get their opportunities to push yeah. the team. But he is a, he's a loney too. He's from QPR, and he'll exactly. be and he'll be yeah. gone out of the summer, I believe too. So unless we figure out a way to get him on. I think there's a relationship, though, with him and Bradley uh, because of the, fin- the Finland connection. Right, right. And, you know, who knows? I mean, if you had a chance to come work for Bob again and the money's there, right. why not? Right. Yeah, especially if you had a good one, just like Dio did when he was uh, the coach of the national team. For, and we can uh, compete with right. QPR because they're in Champions League. In right. Championship right. League. Uh, you know, I mean, this is how MLS rosters are formed. You you have to bring in these pieces that are temporary. You have to rely on those pieces. And when they leave, you have to find another one. That's right. that's the game. I mean, yes, I'd love to have a starting 11 that's the same starting 11 every week and a deep bench, and these guys stay with us their whole careers, but... Let's be realistic, you know? I mean, That's the front office has been yeah. amazing at, at finding these people, and you got to be cap to them because all the substitutions that came in, whether it was one of the 500 Perez's on the team or, or you know, <laughs> uh, whether it was and you know, I mean, I really feel like they stepped up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Going back to your comment about Segura, his last name in Spanish means, like, security and sure. It's the most fitting last name for a defender. Like, I go back to so him, like, you were born to be in this position and have that kind of attitude on the pitch. It's just like you fill in this name so 100%. I think it, it allows Zimmerman to be more aggressive offensively, which is why we and won that match. that's why we won the match. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. So He had a ton of, ton of huge moments where he stepped up. And I think in those moments, the fan base is just so placated by it. We're like, oh, okay, calm, cool, we did our job, that we don't give him enough credit. And I feel like I'd like to see uh, you know, all of us giving him a little bit more credit. But, it, you know, it, I'm definitely interested to see how LAFC is going to do this upcoming weekend when they travel up north to play San Jose, which is this upcoming Saturday, March 30th. The match starts off at 1230, and there is going to be some traveling people, obviously because we are an interstate game. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be the first actual game of the Golden State Cup that is looking to get kicked off. Hopefully it takes some traction and it goes somewhere. I don't know if you guys have heard about this. The, there's a guy who's trying to make this kind of like the Cascadia Cup with uh, Portland, Vancouver, and Seattle. So it's, he's calling it the Golden State Cup. His name's Steve. I'm all for it. Yeah. I think it's a brilliant idea, especially if we get to rub it in, in, in Carson and San Jose's face, then I love it even more. Um, Year one, yeah. You know, I mean, a- a- any side competition that we can have, you know, a little side bet going on on this, uh, I'm all for it. Anything that can uh, – c- not that we need to put something more into these matches, you know, with our inner California rivals, but, yeah, all for it. 
Yeah, no, Stephen. Yeah, Stephen Bernard. He actually lives out here, and he's a LAFC fan. But he wants to get it started and kind of like have it model the same thing and make the competition. So I don't. I mean, obviously, all three parties, all three clubs, are not necessarily on board. But I mean, this will be the first match of the Golden State Cup, so we're hoping that that does get some traction. And uh, like I said, it'll be the thirtieth. There are buses that are leaving. What time is your bus leaving, guys? Two thirty in the morning. Yeah, two two thirty in the morning. And returning the same day right. same after day. the match. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Christian and John. Jonathan will both be at that match. The booze bus. They're, oh, there you go. The booze bus. They're yeah. driving. They're they're meeting up in Silmar, and they're going to be leaving at 2.30 in the morning, watching the match at 12.30, and then coming back and being home for dinner. Yeah. Conveniently, right after bars close is when the bus opens, and then Cantina de Gringo opens up on the bus, and we'll have some fun heading up there. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be packing in Arsenal, boys. Don't worry about it. We'll be we'll be lubricated for the ride. That's now, fun. Is, is this an LOA and District 9 Ultras bus? It's a D9, and uh, they organize it in uh, LO. LA, LAO, LAO, sorry, me. LAO. Yeah. LAO is joining in the fun because, you know, they have the logistics down and we're learning a lot from them, but they have their critical mass uh, to get better discounts too. Oh. And I just hope the sound is as good as we heard out of New York. Oh, for uh, sure. And I think we'll have... Last week. That, that was remarkable. So many more people because it's much closer, right? And more right. affordable. So, yeah. yeah. I'm we'll looking just drown out the, the, the quakes. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to be watching the game from my YouTube TV on my iPad while I'm sitting in Paris. What is that? So, 12.30 here, 9.30, I'll be, it'll be nighttime. I'll probably be at dinner with my wife at yeah. a restaurant sure, Saturday it, night. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Sandy. I'm sorry. I have to put this on. This yeah. is important. So, but uh, anyways... So let's uh, let's get into it with Lenny. We're all looking forward to the match next week for sure, but we have a more pressing issue to talk about. We have our guest here. And again, thank you very much, Lenny, for coming on. And why don't you go ahead and just tell us how you got introduced to LAFC and soccer in general. So I've been a Tottenham fan for the past uh, probably eight years or so, back when Dempsey was playing with them. That caught my attention. I was never a football fan prior to that. I uh, I played rugby. As in, like, you grew up playing rugby? No, I, I actually started playing rugby at age 40 and played till I was 50. Oh, wow. Uh, I played for 10 years here at a team here in Los Angeles. But being on a pitch that's the same size as a, as a soccer field was an amazing thing, and it gave me an awareness of when I watched that game called, that beautiful game called football, I actually can feel now what that means. I never played football, but having that appreciation for the size of that pitch and how much running is going on and the quality of the athletes and what they're doing. I've been watching sports my whole life. I have season tickets to the Rams. I And now do you have season seats at the new stadium? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. very uh, cool. We just became better for friends. Seat <laughs> for, for seat licenses. Uh, yeah, those so, seat licenses are ridiculous. I had season seats for the Rams at the Coliseum and I... Was I, as soon as I saw the seat licenses for the stadium in Inglewood, I, I had to I had to give a hard pass. Yeah, well, we went from four seats to two seats. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that, that's okay, but we don't want to talk about that team. What brought me to LAFC? My husband and I have been watching football, Premier League, not really paying attention to MLS at all. And when the word came out that this new team was coming, and what attracted me to the team was the diversity of the ownership group, uh-huh. right off the bat, that. They were bringing Angelinos together to put a team in the heart of Los Angeles. And the fact that we were going to build a new stadium at Expo Park was just really appealing. And getting in on the ground level of anything like that is exciting. Mm -hmm. I'm not in a supporter group, but we have our tickets in the Fig Club. There's a supporter group there. And as I said to 
John earlier, the stadium is a supporter group. I mean, we have the 3252, which does a great job, but that energy and excitement is peeling off to every section around the bank. I think one of the things I'm really proud of is exactly how much that energy is going around. And you speak to so many people who are in these various little subsections of the stadium. And, you know, one thing that I think the ownership's done a really great job of is creating all these different subcultures within the stadium, whether you're a Sunset Deck, a Fig Club, whoever. And those people are bonding together, and you see it. You know, we saw it at Scarf Launch, where a bunch of people got together to support their fellow people from FIG. Shout out JR with the happy birthday of the Scarf Launch. I heard that it was a madhouse, and they yeah. get those scarves. Uh, they, cakes, yeah. they literally completely emptied that entire scarf wall in a matter of seconds. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Couldn't happen for a better reason. And I just hope that every single one of those Golazo scarfs, you know, gets raised up. I know I raised mine up twice yesterday for our Golazos. And more importantly, when, uh, you know, the scarves up for cancer to kick childhood cancer, when, when it comes time to take those pictures and donate that money, uh, everybody who bought one of those scarves shows up and, you know, retweets that so that we can try and raise some money for kids. Yeah. But, I mean, even even the South End last night, I mean, props to the South End. They That's were going off. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was really, really a sight to see. It was. Uh, and it, being in the Figueroa Club, by the way, has its own energy and the people that I sit with. You know, I know everybody in our row, in front of us, behind us, to the side of us. We have each other's phone numbers. We text each other. If you can't make a game, we're switching tickets out so I can bring friends or they can bring friends. And it's just building that community that has been a lot of fun. And, and I've been in Los Angeles for 18 years. And being part of LAFC makes me feel like I'm part of a community in Los Angeles where before that I, I didn't have that sense of community. This is the first time in 18 years that I feel that. Yeah, to quote LAFC Soccerhead from last night, we're all family here. Yeah, you know? And you feel it. And did you feel that, you know, there was no stadium, the club was just in its inception, so what made you want to become an original, you know? Like, what made you feel this connection prior to having these experiences and these friends already in the different rows uh, of where you sit? Out at Highland Park uh, at the Greyhound watching a Tottenham match and uh, having Richie come in and uh, talk to us about this new team called LAFC and, and what it could be like. And as we're there with a bunch of Spur fans feeling that energy saying, could we have that here in Los Angeles? What is that going to be like? So a bunch of us went down to the Experience Center uh, before they even built anything and saw the plan and everybody jumped in. Hey, shout yeah. out to Richard Roscoe. I know he's a Tottenham fan. He is a Tottenham yeah, yeah, fan. Yeah. Yeah. That, is that, and that's how you two met? That's, that's how we met. It's so yeah. funny how many people's stories come back to Rich. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, we call Bob the builder, but uh, maybe Rich may have earned that title a little more the more layers we unpeel here. Well, Bob's building the team. Rich is building the, the culture. The culture. Absolutely. And uh, no one's done that like this in any sport that I've seen in the States. Yeah, he's uh, he's an amazing individual. What a great human being we are. Certainly, certainly blessed to blessed have him. Blessed to have him as a friend. Absolutely. So you made the first purchase at the <laughs> HQ. You know, how did that happen? You know, do you still have that receipt? You know, and I mean, and what does your current collection of LAFC gear look like? And, you know, what, just go, it's, I mean, it's, it's talk a funny about story. You know, I, I tend to go, to go to events and get there as early as possible. And I just happened to be in the store when they opened, and there weren't a lot of people there. And I, I think I bought a jersey, and 
a sweater. And I went to check out, and they didn't know how to check it. I was the first transaction, and they didn't know how to apply the discount for being an, an original. And <laughs> so I said, well, I'm not quite sure how you do that either, but let's figure it out. So one of the managers came over, and I got a 40% discount, which wow. was freaking awesome. They gave me the Founders Club discount. And uh, I wish I had bought more. <laughs> oh, of course. At that, <laughs> that point. Wait, wait. I'm getting how much off? Uh, just give me a second, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and yes, I do still have the receipt because it's pretty funny to say that. I mean, that's not really something to be known for. But it, it's just, again, part of the culture. And I like going to the stadium early before a match. I don't want to get there a half hour early. I want to be there an hour, hour and a half early. I don't get there as early as the 3252 supporters do. But it's part of my culture now. I love HQ. They certainly get a healthy portion of my paycheck. I, I, they, they should probably just have a layaway system with me by now. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's so cool. Um, I was actually there as well, too. Um, I think I was about five or ten people behind you in line. Oh, really? uh, and they still had that same issue when I got to the front of uh, about a uh, small world that, that you and I run into each other. Well, it seems and I mean, all even the smaller place. world, right? When you guys for, when you guys both came in here to the studio, you're like, hey, <laughs> I see you at work. Hey, I, you know, you guys, uh, you know. Lenny is a patron of Jonathan's when uh, Lenny's looking for some good wine, goes to uh, the place where Jonathan works, and, and is uh, Jonathan provides him with the right kind of wine for the evening. Yeah. It's funny how you know we talk about LAFC bringing a community together, perhaps a community that has been there this whole time. Uh, we just needed this magnetism, this force to draw us all, you know, to realize that, you know, the shoulder to shoulder studios is is right around the corner from my house that, you know, regular customers of mine that, you know, I see wearing LAFC gear and we talk LAFC, you know, over a bottle of wine. And then next thing you know, we're sitting shoulder to shoulder on the shoulder to shoulder podcast. So. Mm, yeah. Crazy. And, and, you know, talking about the gear and just wearing LAFC apparel and going out into the community and people asking what it is and being able to describe it or meeting someone else who's a fan who's going to the match and talking about football. You don't have many football conversations in Los Angeles. No. I'm having a lot more football conversations in Los Angeles the, now the, because Los Angeles finally has a team in Los Angeles. Right. The best thing that anyone can ever ask me is, oh, is, oh, is that the new Galaxy logo? No. This is not the Galaxy logo. Let me tell you what this is. Yeah. And then you go on, and then uh, the next follow-up question is like, oh, well, how are they? Because a lot of times expansion teams are not competitive right away. Oh, by the way, they made their playoffs and the Galaxy didn't. You know, it's like it's it's really easy to talk about LAFC right now to people that don't know exactly what the logo is or what it stands for. And I'm a Ram season ticket holder, and the experience couldn't be as different as as you could imagine. I mean, that's for anything, though. You go to a Dodger game or a Laker game or a Kings game or any other uh, Los Angeles sports team that's a staple of the city of Los Angeles, and LAFC is different in every way, and that's, I think, what a lot of people enjoy about it. It's intimate, right? Like, you feel so close to the field, so close to, to the atmosphere. And I you feel always... safe. I feel like I, I know I'm going to have fun, win or lose. Yeah. I'm going to have fun. I love the people that are around me in the club. When I'm outside of the club out in Christmas Tree Park there, hanging out with everybody pre-match. It doesn't get much better than that. 
Oh, and, you know, we'll talk about it when we bring Mandy in for the next podcast here, but the amount of love that you get throughout the stadium, not even just in the 3252, is, is amazing, amazing. Uh, teaser, story to come. Yeah. So hey. going back to what you were saying, you know, you're really good friends with the people you sit around. You were telling us before the podcast, before we started recording, that you have an interesting story. You've been able to not only connect with the fans, but you've been able to connect with a particular member on the team like can you tell us about how that all started you know i'm a facebook junkie and i read the lafc fan page and i noticed latif had you know a profile up there so i connected with him and one more i get up early in the morning i'm up at 5 a.m every morning and latif was on on messenger so i just sent him a quick text i said what the hell are you doing up this <laughs> early and he Two seconds later, I get a message back. I get up this early because, you know, I got to get ready for training. And we just started having this real quick dialogue. It didn't really mean much. But we've continued the dialogue. It's not overwhelming dialogue, but just the fact that if you message the guy, he messages you back. And by far the most exciting player on the team from my standpoint. Oh, yeah. I, I can watch that guy play football all day long. That's, you know, Christian says that that's his favorite player because he feels like he puts it out on the pitch every game, every minute that he's out there, and you can just see the joy that he has when he plays. And he smiles all the time. Yeah. He's always happy. and He leaves it out there. He doesn't shortchange you at all. I feel like he goes home and collapses, you know? Like, he's, he's running 90 minutes, <laughs> like, running defensively, offensively, creating chances, you know? You know, getting into people's faces, even though if like they're a, a foot or more taller than him, it's just amazing. To me Jumping up to get in people's faces, yeah. Um, uh, you know, he is. He is. Uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. He's the heart and soul winner for me for the club. You know, I mean, he he shows it on the pitch. He shows it with the fans. Uh, he shows it in the community. You know, I mean, share the blessing. You know, bump that up. Uh, you know, if you if you can donate to his um, his charitable. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, he does so much on and off the pitch. Uh, we are truly blessed to have him and, now, and in bringing resources back to his home country in Ghana which needs the resources absolutely. that he's able to uh, to magnify I do some work in Africa and I haven't been to Ghana yet but it's on it's on, on the, the list, list. and uh, yeah. I'll let Latif know if, if I'm going uh, now have, have you had the opportunity to meet him in person I have he came up to the fig club after one of the matches last year and then and did you did was like hey name to a face like hey this is I I'm I'm Lynn I'm the one that's, that's uh, no that was actually before we started even uh, oh, messaging okay. so it was just it was a happen since you know meeting and got to spend a little bit of time with him because when in that atmosphere there weren't a lot of people around and he was able to have a conversation so, so well maybe we'll have to try and uh, get him in here yeah well yeah oh, we'd that'd be love great. that <laughs> he would be fun yeah no it, it would be an amazing opportunity to get him in. Okay, so like you said earlier, you are a Tottenham Hotspurs fan, and have you ever been to a match in London? Last season, three matches, two at Wembley and one at uh, West Ham and, at the Olympic Stadium. And so I've never had the opportunity to, to see a, a top-flight European club at their home stadium. What, what is that like in comparison to what it's like here in L.A.? 100,000 people at Wembley or 90,000 people well, at Wembley. Yeah. Uh, all fans... It's an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. It really is an amazing experience. And when I was at West Ham at the Olympic Stadium, which again is, you know, I think seats 70,000 people or so, I was not in the supporter section. I was sitting amongst other West Ham players. But I'm a Chicharito fan. Okay. So I bought a Chicharito uh, jersey, put that on, and kind of had my uh, Tottenham uh, alliances. Mm -hmm. And when they scored, I just quietly clapped and didn't want to get my head busted. But right. 
they take their football very seriously in London. Now, does are there any parallels though with LAFC and and the culture or the fan base or any of that as you had maybe firsthand experienced with uh, the the clubs in Europe? I will say the most exciting match I went to was a La Liga match between Barca and Valencia, and being in the Camp Nou with a hundred thousand Spaniards was an amazing experience because the amount of noise that 3252 generates is compounded tenfold in that stadium with those people and it's an exciting experience so what our club did in trying to replicate what was being done in Europe by going to Dortmund and seeing how that yellow wall is put together and how we can replicate that even though it's not 50,000 people the fact that we have 22,000 plus people who come to our stadium, fill our seats, Every and everybody game. participates. Yeah. We rival everybody in Europe, and it's going to help put MLS on the map. We're going to see more European players coming here right. to play yeah. because of this. And Antoine Griezmann, looking at you. Oh, Griezmann, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that, we also see that connection with uh, Carlos Vela. I hope that happens. And going back to what you just said, I, I think it's only going to multiply the stadiums. are going to get bigger, but they're going to obviously take this atmosphere and culture into account and I can't wait till the bank is expanded in some some way because we're no longer able to hold all the people that want to come in right there's going to be a real argument to us to why we need to grow the stands in whatever way because not, not enough people want tickets and they're maybe too expensive I don't know I I went to a Serie A match last fall and it was between Bologna and Fiorentina mm-hmm. and it was in Bologna and both of those teams are, you know, lower table in Serie A right now. Those stands were full. And not only full, it was in a rainstorm that rivaled the rainstorm that stopped our game last season. It Houston, rained yeah. that hard the whole 90 minutes. <laughs> and nobody left. Everybody stayed. And that's the European football culture. Hey, and some of us didn't leave during I, the rain last leave. season. Uh, no, no one left the stadium. Yeah. I mean, first of all, everybody was watching the Dodger game. But once yeah. once we restarted, that stands filled right back up. Yeah, and we went on to win that very important game. So oh, that was my favorite game last year. The Houston was so game. Much fun. You know, I uh, my friend Juan gets mad at me every time that we talk about this game on this podcast, and I don't <laughs> give him a shout out. So here's your shout out, Juan. There's your. You know, he was there with me at the game. We were standing in the rain, and I'll never forget that game. You talked about you know the European players and this this club putting MLS on the map. In your opinion, where do you see LAFC in 10 years? You know, the MLS 10, 15 years ago when they brought Beckman in for $250 million over five years uh, made a, a, a great decision to kind of put football on the map and, and put a big spend to fill stadiums. And it worked. Beckman left. We saw what happened after that. I think LAFC is translating that experience and localizing it. Our club is going to be at the top of this league for a lot of years to come. We've started with the right ingredients. We've built a great, stable environment from team management and ownership to the stands. And everything in between, uh, having Bob Bradley as our manager, is an amazing thing. I mean, we could not have found a better person to build a club who had resources in Europe, who could bring those resources here through the myriad of countries he's worked with in football. So I see us um, contending for the Cup every year. I see us in, in the playoffs every year. I don't know if we'll win every year because anything can happen in football. Right. Uh, but I think we're going to be competitors and we're also going to be exciting and we're going to see other clubs try and replicate what we're doing. Yeah, Plagiarism I mean, is the best form of uh, flattery. flattery. I, I think you hit upon a really key topic there in that you know, other clubs or the league went about it from getting the big player. 
And, and LAFC has done it brick by brick, street by street, block by block. You know, I yeah. mean, it's it's been about a foundational culture around the club that is sustainable, not around something as unsustainable as a player. I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, star power people like Bradley and Vela and things like that have, have done wonders for our club, and I, I don't mean to, to look over that, but... You know, look, if Vela got hurt tomorrow, I don't feel like the attendance or the energy would go away. If, if Bob Nor Bradley, would our competitiveness. Not at all. Right. Yeah. Not at all. And I don't feel like the 3252 is going to leave the stands if a player goes. Right. Um, and we've seen that with other clubs. The big player leaves and they got to go chase that big signing. Yeah. Look, LA is a star driven town, but I think we've built a sustainable model that will be replicated, is being replicated. And we've touched upon a community of people that understand football because we are a melting pot from all over the world and now we're able to deliver on that yeah and i you know it's interesting too because we can right now a lot of the clubs that are coming into the mls uh, for the expansion whether it's uh, nashville or austin or uh, fc cincinnati that's just starting this year some of them have had previous seasons in the usl some of them i think nashville's a brand new team right they, they don't nashville have and austin uh, and and so it's interesting to see what things they might want to try and take from us yeah. and what things they're going to try and do on their own that are different. And it it will be interesting to see what how their clubs are yeah. in their first and second season and how big the fan base is. And, you know, uh, I think that if, if, let's say, they do some things differently and it doesn't work out as well, it will show that what LAFC has done is uh, an amazing uh, contribution and amazing thing. I've read that... Both Miami and Austin, I don't know about Nashville, but they've already like named LAFC as kind of a case study or a way uh, that they want to approach their stadium and their atmosphere and their culture. I'm so, sure the supporters you know, too, because that's the one of the yeah. biggest things was the one of the best things LAFC yeah. did was putting all the supporters together yeah. and not having them divided in a stadium and not choosing one supporters group as the supporters group of the club. Right. Yeah, no, the supporters union, you know, supporter group union is, is something that I know that the supporter groups brought themselves into the conversation and, uh, you know, were able to formalize and um, create, you know, this leadership structure that has been sustainable for the last couple of years. And you can see it in the stands, they're unified um, and, and it's infectious, like we've talked about in other podcasts. So I think these other newer clubs that are coming into the league are taking that into account looking at it and, and, you know, trying to replicate it in the best way that fits their city and their culture. Mm. But, you know, there's something to be said to what's happened in the last few years here. Well, I think we've changed the business model a little bit, too, uh, as to how to develop a club and, and put it together. And uh, the fact that we were fortunate enough to have a place to build a brand new stadium uh, that's accessible to everybody because it's right on, you know, the metro line. Right. You couldn't put all those pieces together 10 years ago, I don't think, right. and have it work. Well, I think we just saw last week what an ownership group with all the resources in the world still can't do if they don't have the facilities in NYCFC. Right. I mean, you know, the, the Man City money is, is insane. I mean, that's above and beyond any probably Not club in the, the world. Not to mention the Yankees on top of it. Too. Not to mention the Yankees on top of it. Um, and, and because they couldn't find a proper location they're suffering. Uh, and we are so blessed to have an amazing, yeah. amazing location and a supporters group, unified supporters groups that uh, are the standard right now in American soccer. I mean, you, you talk to the capos that have come back from, you know, the meeting with all the various supporters groups amongst the league. And we're seeing, uh, you know, everyone asking us, how did you do this so quickly? How were you able to create this kind of passion? You know, it's it's pretty amazing thing that we're a part of here. We are really happy. 
So going back to, you know, we have two questions we'd like to ask all of our um, guests. The first one we want to ask is, like, what does shoulder-to-shoulder mean to you? Friendship. Absolutely. That's it. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that is uh, being able to look at someone uh, regardless of uh, age, race, gender, or sexual orientation, whatever it is, and be able to say, you know, we're both supporters of this club, and it doesn't matter what you think or believe or anything, and I'm going to treat you like family. Here's a good example of that. I happen to be part of the LGBT community, and what our club has done for my community is unprecedented. You know, clubs have Pride Days once a year in June. We have Pride Games. Every match, you feel it. You see the flags. Are flags. Up. Yeah, Every you game. see the flags. It's, it's not got, even just the flags. Well, no, it's, but they're producing the pins. They're selling merchandise. They right. have the Pride Republic. And yeah. it's, I mean, they are 100% arm-in-arm with smaller minority-represented groups. And that's important because in L.A., there are all of these smaller groups that formulate what L.A. is. Yeah, yeah, shout out, Pride Republic. I got my fierce and fabulous shirt. I rock it all the time. And my new jacket y'all just released is uh, in the mail on its way to my house. Wow. Proud to rep you guys. You know, and when you look at the stand that LAFC has taken with regards to making sure that all of the speech and dialogue used within the stadium is congruent with those ideologies, that was something that no other club in American sports has been able to take as firm and as effective a stance against as we have. And they did it shoulder to shoulder. They did it with the supporter union. They did it with the fans. They did it with Pride Republic. They did it with the team. You know, they involved everybody, players, management, supporters. Again, it's unprecedented, it's very entrepreneurial, and it's the way you build community. And and something that you mentioned, Jonathan, before we started the interview, which we were talking about for the episode down the line with the Tigres, is that, you know, we were going to talk about it later, but if anyone has an issue, the leaders of the supporter groups and the leaders of the organization, it's almost like a a go-to of, you know what, I'm going to stand behind you because we're shoulder to shoulder. It's putting away anything that you may think because somebody in your family has an issue and you're like, I'm going to take up that sword and I'm going to fight that battle with them. And there's no individual effort here. There's a big difference between our personal beliefs and our collective beliefs. And one thing that I think LAFC has been monumental in executing is being able to take all these various people and saying, we respect your belief. Now let's respect the person next to you's belief. And that's that's a huge part of shoulder to shoulder is that, you know, we all come into this with our own ideas and let's respect everyone's and find a place where, where that can coexist. Uh, and that doesn't exist in Carson. That doesn't exist in any of the other MLS franchises that I have seen. Even outside of the MLS, it doesn't it doesn't really exist in a lot of American sports. Right. So this is, they, again, LAFC is looking to try and be a role model in this regard. And, you know, the last one is why LAFC? Uh, because I live in Los Angeles, first and foremost. It's very easy to, uh, when we didn't have an NFL team in this city, I did not have an NFL team to, to really root for except my childhood team, and I won't name who they are, the Patriots. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Ooh. But so who did you wait? So this last Super Bowl, who'd you go for? I'm, I live in Los Angeles, all in Rams. There you go. Right, I live, I play, I work, I thrive, and this is where my my community Absolutely. is. And city, c- civil pride and city pride. And that, Somos del barrio angelino. There it is. And, and that that's why LAFC because it represents the best of Los Angeles, from the ownership group to the supporter union to the players, uh, everybody there. 
We we are LAFC. We are. <laughs> oh, you're making me want to start screaming. Oh man. Is. Well, thank you again very much, Lenny. We really appreciate you coming in and telling us your story. This was a great episode because I think like we talked about a lot of things that we haven't had an opportunity to talk about outside of the fact that you were the first purchase at headquarters. You know, being able to talk about you know, just European soccer and the experiences over there and how we can compare them to our precious club that we admire and adore so much. Um, so, again, thank you for that. And if you guys are interested in hitting us up on any social media, please give us a follow at LAFCS2S on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find us. We have a Facebook page, Shoulder Shoulder LAFC Podcast. You can also send any of us emails at our website, www.lafcs2s.com. Uh, and... Uh, anything else that you guys want to talk about i mean uh, we, we do have this game coming up this weekend we will be doing another episode episode 10 talking about jonathan and manny's experience yesterday at the game and that'll be out shortly again in a couple of days later this week anybody Thank have anything no thanks lenny thanks for, thanks for coming thanks for bringing a fan in yeah, no, you know really i think appreciate it that's what's amazing about this show is we are the voice of the fan and so if you are out there and listening and and you have a story to tell or you know someone that has a story to tell, reach out to us because we would like to help you tell Absolutely, that story. And, uh, 100%. You know, Lenny, next time you're at the bank or next time you need a bottle of wine, I'll see you, brother. All, All right. right. Thank uh, you. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you, guys. Sticks, take us home. Take you to my home. Shoulder to shoulder. Together, this our culture. Feel the force of a supernova. Stay flying that FC dorsum. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's, Koreatown Liddy. Cape us old mommy, about to drop her fifth. They won't need to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that.